welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came and here he is, ladies and gentlemen, once again, the one and only Jerry Springer. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. Man, that's uh, that applause is loud. Wow, she's that deafening. <laughs> well, we yeah. should we should then remind people we're we're really still in uh, COVID protocol. Uh, we've all been vaccinated. I probably we've all had booster shots and all that, but um, I don't know. There's still I mean, Jerry Springer. You had a breakthrough case. My son Mitch had one. I know other people. I don't know. It's still out there, even though. I don't think any of us have to, I pray to God, would have to go to the hospital or be, you know, really, really sick. Uh, by the way, we've got uh, Jeremy from Short & Company coming on as our musical guest. Hey, Jeremy, how you doing? How come he gets more applause than I did? I don't know. We like him. <laughs> Jeremy, yeah. <laughs> and he's from uh, Moorhead, coming to us from Moorhead, Kentucky. Yep. Also coming in over... Uh, you know, the magic of electronics and technology. And, uh, hey, Jerry, uh, last week, actually the last two weeks, we had a very extended conversation. I think it warranted it. It's a heavy damn topic about uh, monuments. And we really dug in, right, Megan and Jerry, on on, uh, taking down Thomas Jefferson's statue in New York City Hall, New York City, City right. Hall and the council members voted to take it down. And uh, we had, a, I, I thought it was very uh, stimulating to me for sure, conversation about all the implications of that and the yeah. history behind it. And um, you did a great commentary on it, and uh, which ended up, you ended up saying, I thought this was a great point, Jerry. It's why we love your commentaries is that you really see some things clearly that I'm always a step or two behind. And you made this point. You said, look, monument, I'd never thought of it this way. Monuments are really generational. That one generation might see the importance of let's of symbols. Let's broaden it, symbols. And another generation might see it differently, frankly, based on maybe new information. And if new information is like negative information, what are you going to stay with your reverence for a monument where information wasn't complete from years ago, just to be blindly traditional? And your argument was no, it can, if younger people see, for example, Jefferson's head on Mount Rushmore, because boy, that's the big one. If you start talking about removing something from something like Mount Rushmore, admittedly it was put up there by some private artist, but then it's become this thing. And you made a great point, but then you have some ideas about Southern monuments, not, not specifically Thomas Jefferson, but Southern monuments. And we'd love to hear your viewpoint on that. Okay. Well, as you said, in the last podcast, we talked about the latest example of we Americans trying to erase remnants of our racist past, uh, commonly referred to as our original sin, slavery. 
erasing the remnants by removing statue of those who either actively promoted the institution in their public lives or at least owned slaves in their private ones. Indeed, not a week goes by now without some story about the tearing down of statues of Robert E. Lee, for example, a traitor who led the Confederacy in its attack on America in the Civil War. But now the New York City Council was removing the statue of Thomas Jefferson, our founding father, the author of perhaps the world's most significant political document, the Declaration of Independence, declaring all men are created equal. The council removed his statue because he owned slaves and, in fact, fathered six children by one of them. But, of course, this situation is different. He wasn't known for the circumstance of slavery. He was known for founding the modern world's most viable democracy. So removing his statue on moral grounds is at least debatable and arguably not warranted. But as for the likes of Robert E. Lee and what these Confederates visited upon America, these men should not, indeed must not, be honored or celebrated. That seems obvious. But something else needs to be said before we start patting ourselves on the back for our moral purity here. And that is, the Confederacy, which the likes of Lee stood for, is not dead. No, it's alive and well and kicking. It's just that nowadays, it's not a geographic entity. It's a cultural one. There's not a Mason-Dixon line. There's a racial, religious, indeed a cultural one. And this perpetual civil war is once again heating up. But why are we surprised? It never really left us. It's in our DNA, racism that is. After all, we slaughtered Native Americans when we first came over, enslaved African Americans at our nation's birth, and shamefully carried out the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II. Along the way, we institutionalized our racism, reconstruction, the Jim Crow laws, lynchings, voter suppression, segregation. It never really went away. So each generation has been called upon to fight back against this ugliest instinct of our national character, from our victory in the Civil War of the 1860s to the Civil Rights Movement of the 1960s, to electing President Obama, then to bounce back from the Trump presidency where he unleashed white supremacy by then we throwing him out in 2020. The point being that at some level, our nation's racism is always there a la Charlottesville in January 6th. Indeed, we're always confronted with the need to ward off these attacks on the better angels of our soul. And as we can see, our generation hasn't been spared the burden of this responsibility. Let it be clearly understood, tearing down Confederate statues is not enough. The Confederacy and the Civil War are not yet over where the battles were once fought on the fields of Gettysburg, Bull Run, and Appomattox, they are today being waged at local school board meetings by parents trying to prevent our children from being taught our racial history, waged at state capitals where legislators are passing laws to suppress African-American voting, waged on cable TV and social media 
where the likes of Fox News, Fox News pundits and Tucker Carlson are promoting his replacement theory that immigrants of people of color, immigration of people of color must be stopped, that these people are trying to replace us, us being white Christian Americans, that these people from what Trump has referred to, and forgive the language here, from shithole countries, these people in another decade or so will soon be in the majority. America demographically will no longer be white Christian. And according to Tucker, Democrats are pushing this because immigrants wanting to come to America are drawn by America's promise. And so therefore they naturally would vote Democrat, heaven forbid. So there you have it. The battle lines are drawn, not geographic, but cultural. The Confederacy lives forever threatening our nation, appealing sometimes violently to the darkest angels of our nature, seeking to destroy a multicultural democracy in the name of racial and religious purity. We must never think the battle is over. We must never get complacent. We must never stop fighting to protect the one statue that stands above all others, that lady in the harbor, the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your hungry, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. That's America at its best, a statue worth saving, the one statue that must never be torn down. Give us uh, a one minute summary, because we may want to chat about it. He may want to cut this in. Yeah, well, yes, every generation has a right to decide who it wants to honor and what monuments it wants to put up. But people who argue there is obviously a rationale for tearing down the monument, for example, of Southern generals uh, during the Civil War of Robert E. Lee, because they were traitors. They led an attack on the United States of America. And, you know, whether it's Osama bin Laden or Robert E. Lee, if you attack our country and and resulting in the deaths of uh, with Robert E. Lee of, uh, you know, six, seven hundred thousand Americans died because of their attack on uh, America on a four year war. Um, of course, we shouldn't honor them. That's easy. Now, with and the whole purpose of the wall was to protect the institution of slavery. Now, along comes, uh, you know, and, and then we talk about Thomas Jefferson. Well, yes, Thomas Jefferson in his private life did despicable things. He owned slaves. He had children by one of them, Sally Hemings. Um, so clearly that's not to be honored. But the reason we honor Thomas Jefferson is not be, had nothing to do with slavery. It was because he was the author of the Declaration of Independence yeah. uh, and wrote perhaps the most significant uh, political line in history, that all men are created equal. That's what he's remembered for. So it is, you know, if you're looking, we will have no statues if we only can have statues for perfect people. Obviously, no one's perfect, so therefore there'll be no statutes. But if you want to celebrate what a person is known for, that justifies why we had that 
statute. But a, a current generation might well say, you know, New York City Council said, you know, we don't want the statue in City Hall. Well, they're entitled to put whatever statue they want in there. When a new president comes in, he puts a different picture up behind him. So when uh, Biden came in, he put, you know, a picture of Franklin Roosevelt, the Bobby a statue, uh, a bust of uh, Bobby Kennedy. Every president can choose who they uh, want to honor. So that was the basic point of, uh, I'm making. All right. And um, yeah, well put. Hey, uh, let me shift over to this for a second. They, we heard rumors that at the, uh, this is a sports issue, University of Cincinnati football team, the Bearcats, are having a phenomenal season. They're like ranked, I don't know, with the, you know, there are two big polls, the coaches poll and the AP poll, one done by sports uh, reporters and writers, the other done by a selection of coaches. One has them in football, we're talking college football here, ranked two in the country, another has them three in the country. They're now about in the fifth position of who might make the four-team playoff because right. there are two bowl games on New Year's Day, and the winners of those two bowl games then play a few weeks later for the national title. Right. They are, they are a possibility. The big controversy is do they play a hard enough schedule compared to Georgia, Alabama, SEC teams, Big Ten teams? And that's a controversy. You recorded a video that was before the uh, – oh, for ESPN on game ESPN, day. ESPN, yeah. yeah. When they played, was it Tulsa, was on UC's homecoming day in Cincinnati. And you record – because – and they – got you to do it because your former mayor and news anchor. Uh, that's cool. Tell us about that. Yeah, they they came to me and said, um, would you do, uh, I don't know, a three-minute uh, video uh, for game day talking about the, the Bearcats and Cincinnati sports, the connection of sports with the city. Yeah. And so we recorded it and um, I knew they played it on television on their game day program Saturday morning. Uh, but I was just told they played it. Uh, David just said that they played it at the game in front of the Cincinnati fans. So that, that was kind of nice. Uh, but, yeah, the connect Cincinnati has uh, always been defined in part, at least for the last um, hundred years of having a significant part in sports. And, you, you know, the first professional, uh, the first major league baseball team, the, the Red Lag, uh, Red Stockings back in uh, 1876. And, you know, and then, and then you move forward. And, of course, uh, the years of the Big Red Machine. Uh, we talked about the, uh, the 1980s when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl twice. Uh, the Bearcats with Oscar Robertson. Yep. We talked about Xavier. My school. Um, I got your the hat. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're wearing the hat. And uh, there was some indication that I apparently had said Xavier. Uh, <laughs> instead, this was pointed out by someone. Uh, but they, they weren't hearing correctly. It's Xavier. And, uh, yeah. But anyway, so, yeah, I, 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 I did that. And um, really, when you go through it all, it's kind of neat. 
uh, when you're in Cincinnati, you feel their connection to their local teams. You really do. It's excitement. And when they have successful years, yeah, wow. Wow, uh, you're the talking city goes to, crazy, and it's great a now. Bengals have, fan here, Jerry. So we're just gonna. Yeah. That's God love you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been hard with the Bengals, uh, but <laughs> when the years we went to the Super Bowl, Dude, I am. Tell- I was ten was- years old. I am a forty-one-year-old woman. <laughs> I was ten. Oh yeah, but it was electric. Honestly, I was ten. Yeah. People, you were, I remember we were talking about that. Yeah. Is she going to get out of the second grade? And they said, no. (laughs) Jared, do you remember we went because you got tickets, actually, God rest his soul. You got two tickets from Pat Barry. You had Uh, other tickets. The Pat Barry seats were actually positioned a little bit closer to the 50 yard line for the freezer bowl game. Do you remember Uh, that? We, we yeah, absolutely, man, it was like 20 below zero at game yeah, time. It, yeah, I think it was the coldest professional football remember? game in history. It was, tw- but it was 50 below wind chill. I know. And, and it was, but what was really weird, we're there, they're playing San Diego. And if they beat San Diego, they go to the Super Bowl. And of course, this incredibly exciting, but there was total silence because everyone was so covered up. Not only were you wearing thick gloves, but you had a scarf (laughs) over your face. So you couldn't hear anything. So to watch a football game and you see people pounding and jumping up and down, but no sound, no sound. That's fine. Do you remember? I I don't know what year that was. Do you guys remember? 82. 82. January 10th, 1982. Of course, you know. Yeah, but it really was. You could look it up. <laughs> that's amazing. You know, Forrest Gregg was the coach. Yeah, that's right. And Chris Collinsworth was on that team. Uh, he was. Do you remember? Chris Collinsworth was still. Uh, yeah, well, was but, still- I know he was. I know he was there with Boomer. But was he already there with Kenny Anderson? Yeah, maybe that was his fresh his first year. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. You I, may I be right. Fresh. But I, yeah, you I may be right. I'm, yeah. But and I know, uh, and you're in Florida, and it is the exact opposite of this. But uh, and you haven't invited us, but but I'm just making an assumption, and I'm sure. Oh, I got invited. Frank and I are going down for the holidays. Okay, well, we're coming in right behind you then. Yeah. I guess they'll yeah. they'll just like, yeah. We got we got we got the news two nights ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Megan, Bonnie and I are excited to announce that we're going there for the month of January. What do you mean? For, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the first two what? weeks of February. No, whoa, whoa, no, no. We said well, maybe we'll have dinner down there. What and do you the mean? Only, <laughs> the month. And the only question is I'm oh, about to uh, send down the guest list because I have, hey, you know, we haven't locked up. Hey, Megan, we, the, the Galvins have not locked up like the Springers have. So locked I have up. family members who don't get to Florida very easily. So I've got some relatives and some friends. And I just want to find out, you know, how many guest rooms they have, et cetera. But we'll be going down there. And we're looking forward to that. 
Uh, so, Gina, what is what is your what are your plans while you're down there with the Springers? What what do you think's to gonna... find a hotel? <laughs> <laughs> That's drive be his plan to look oh. around at <laughs> what's what's you that travel commercial? Yeah, if you're looking for a hotel, you go to what on your phone? Like or Travelocity or whatever. Yeah, Travelocity. <laughs> Call Travelocity, Gene. Hey, what uh, Bonnie was asking the other day, and I didn't know the answer because she's pretty picky about the temperature that the pool is kept at, and she's uh, needs eighty. And you can, yeah, it could be seventy nine, it could be eighty one, but it really needs to be in that. That's what. Well, well, let's ask this question: What do you need? <laughs> you tell me the temperature, and I'll make sure it's a couple of degrees cooler. Yeah. <laughs> if I you need the number of a really okay 60. hotel, we'll throw ice cubes in there if necessary. I need keys to the Bentley, is what I need. Okay. <laughs> hey, so we have Shorten Company. Hey, Jeremy. Guys, glad to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. Well, sure. Nice to have you. Yeah, man. So, Jeremy, you've been with us before here. So about how it's it's been a bit. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a little while. I think it was yep. sometime uh, towards the end of last year. Yeah, but probably about a year. I, I want to say about the same time, but I'm not 100 percent sure. All right. Well, welcome back, man. What have you been up to? Uh, we have been just biding our time and uh, making plans for when things start getting back to some sort of relative normalcy you know whenever yeah. that might be same as and, everybody uh, yeah we're just trying to make plans one step at a time we got a couple gigs coming up this week cool. well, when this was recorded rather i should say and uh yeah we're just well let me know when you're coming to florida because we'd love to make room for you <laughs> Uh, I will do my best. We're actually planning a Florida tour in about May of next year. It's good because he's got a guest house that would normally be going to this guy named Gene, but he's happy. Well, uh, happy we put it. We've got it, in our, we've got it in our tour tour contract right now that Jerry's house is the green room. There you go. <laughs> you got to provide hospo. That's snacks for six to seven people. And, uh, you know, full catering meals. What are those sheets called? They always have for the green room. What are they called? Um, I have no idea. Writers. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank writers. you. The writers. Yeah. Yeah. We'll send you our tech writer. There you go. Okay. Good. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So tonight we have um, the song Trance that you're going to be performing for us. Um, tell us a little bit about this. When was it written? How did this come to be? Um, Trance is one of those songs that I was sitting uh, around. And, you know, I'm not a writer. I'm not as, you know, studious. I don't sit down and try to do it as much as I should, probably. Sure. But this was one of those moments I was trying to sit down and actually write a thing just on purpose yeah. and it just showed up it was just kind of you know i kind of went to the place where the songs are which uh if i could just live there i would <laughs> but it, it just it just kind of showed up in my head one day and i kept hearing you know I'm a, I'm a big van morrison fan before he went all crazy with the last year and his you know weird stances on several things yeah but van yeah. morrison he, has he, these moments where he just kind of puts you into a trance and i was thinking of the term trance and i just kind of you know this song just just showed up at my doorstep one day Perfect. great well here we have short and company with trance yeah. 
All right. So that was Short and Company with Trance. To find these guys, Jeremy, where can we listen to more of your music? Where can we download? What's best place to find you? Uh, you can get us everywhere that music is streamed right now. We're on places like iTunes. We're on SoundCloud, Bandcamp. Uh, if you want to find out what's going on, where we're going to be playing next, you can keep up with us on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, and all that. Perfect. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank there. you very much for spending some time with us tonight. And for all of our loyal listeners, while you're out there checking out Short and Company and Jeremy and all of their great music, you can stop by Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery. Give us a five-star rating so that the, the gods of the computers know that we're there and they know that you love us. Until next time, we will take you guys out on Down by the Riverside with the one and only Jerry Springer. <laughs>
overall. Thank you so much. Oh, man.